open up the Sefer and learn inside, we got to start with some stories. Why? Because the story opens us up to realizing what a, what a privilege it is to learn from the Holy Sefarim of Orachai Makadosh, of Chaim Benatar. And, um, and uh, that way when we open up, we mamish appreciate what a zechut it is. So Rav Chaim Benatar uh, is uh, known as Orachai Makadosh. He's one of the only four tzaddikim that have that toar, kadosh. Like the people, everyone, all of Amisham knows him as the, the holy one. Right? Remember, what are the others? The Ariza, the Ria Kadosh, the Shla, and the Alshech. Okay? The Alshech HaKadosh. So these are holy, holy men. Some say it has to do with the Tikkun Abrit, watching over every single thing that goes into any of your senses, what they eat and what they think. And he, he was a very, very holy, holy man. And he was, uh, he was most of his life in Morocco. Okay? Many stories about the miracles that happened with him in his life in Morocco. At the end of his life, he moved through Italy, got some followers there who helped fund his books, went to Damascus for a little bit, and then he felt he had an awakening um, to go to Eretz Israel, like Mama Shashem revealed it to him. And so he took 30 students, and he moved to, he went to Akko at first, and there's all these stories. He went to Miron, he went to many holy places, had many holy experiences, ultimately came to right here in Yerushalayim, opened the Knesset Yisrael-based Medrash, and he was only here for actually a relatively short time. Similar to the Arizal, who was also born here, he only was in Eretz Yisrael for less than a year. He died at age 47. Um, 47, 47, a very young uh, age, but uh, he was said to have slept very little and accomplished you know, more in his few years of life then people, you know, like 10 times more than a normal human being. Who knows? 100 times more. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and he was one of the people who brought us back to Eretz Yisrael, who loved Eretz Yisrael with all his heart, and we'll talk more about that. Um, and uh, let's, let's, let's talk some stories. So let's, let's work backwards, the end of his life. So uh, first of all, uh, after he passed away, his student, the Chida, the Chida, as me and Rebbe, was Orachim Makadosh. Um, said that the Orachaim was the was Mashiach of the generation. He had the potential to become the Mashiach, and uh, we weren't Zolche, but he had that huge of an Ashama. Uh, there's another story about when he was uh, gonna pass on the day he passed away. This is maybe the most famous story they tell about the Orachaim that the Baal Shem Tov in the middle of Shalashudis and Shabbos in the summer, and uh, Boshem lived around the same time as Or Chaim, and suddenly in the middle of Shalashudis, he stops and says, "The Or Hamaravi, the, the the light of the of the West, has been extinguished." And the Hasidim are like, "Rebbe, what are you talking about?" <laughs> and after Shalashudis, after Malav Havdalah, the Rebbe reveals that the Or Chaim Kadosh has passed away. So they say, Rebbe, we checked into it. You know, they Googled whatever. <laughs> you're you're right, but how did you know that? He says, the sod of Netilat Yadayim was revealed to me. And the sod, the real deeper understanding of Netilat Yadayim is only given to the tzaddik of the generation. And the Orachayim HaKadosh was the tzaddik of the generation, but he must have passed away because it came to me. And what is that sod? I'm not telling you guys. Because <laughs> I'm not the tzaddik of the generation. So I, don't, I don't really know. But that's the story. 
So apparently, uh, there's some deep connection between the Baal Shem Tov and, and the Orachayim. They lived at the same time period when the wealth springs were open. And like the Rizal writes that the, during that, the Zohar, I believe, writes that the well springs of Mashiach are going to be open during that time period. There's also stories that if the Baal Shem Tov tried to come and meet Orachayim Kadosh, he believed that if he would have met Orachayim Kadosh, he would have brought the Mashiach. But the Baal Shem. Don't know. Didn't read that story. I don't know. Could be. But that's what that that's the story that I've heard. I heard it from a bunch of different sources. So I think I think it's a real story. Anyways, he was never able he was not able, there was all sorts of uh on the on the on the way, so he said it's a sign from Hashem that I'm not meant to meet the Orachim Kadosh, but they say that though they were the biggest sparks to help bring Mashiach. The end of his life, this one story goes that the Arachai Mamish, the last week of his life, he was dressed Mamish for the Mashiach. And uh, he says, Hebra, let's go, let's greet the Mashiach. And the students were a bit perplexed. And then he says, wait. And he, he was sad. What happened? Uh, there was a man from Istanbul who had just, a rich man who had just done a terrible sin. And the whole world was 50-50 on whether the Mashiach would come or not. And that man had ruined the chances for Mashiach to come. That's, that's a story that's told. It's a pretty wow, crazy story. A, it's a pretty crazy story. <laughs> that he, the Mashiach could have come, but this one man sinned, and he, you know, brought the, the scales of uh, against uh, Mashiach coming. But he could have been the Mashiach. Um, he writes about the, the coming of Mashiach. It could come in a miraculous way, or it could come in a slow way. And um, that's, those are some end-of-life stories. Oh, another end-of-life story. This one's pretty famous. I just heard it on YouTube, on YouTube on the way here. They're schlepping the soup. But I've heard this story many, many times. The story is that the Baal Shem Tov, at the end of his life, he died very young, and he needed to provide a pernasa for his wife. So he said, don't worry. Actually, I think he had two wives, and his second wife, who had girls, he never had any children, any boys, but he had a, a two he had girls. And with this wife, he said, sell my tefillin. A rich man's going to show up, sell my tefillin, and you'll have enough pernasa to get by. So... Exactly as he said it would happen, it happened, and a, a, a rich man comes, and they buy the tefillin, but he gave a, a tzava that when you're wearing my tefillin, you have to only think holy thoughts and only speak about divrei Torah. And so it was, he bought it, and as soon as he put the tefillin on, he had this clarity, he had this vacas with Hashem, his davening was on a whole different level, and everything was amazing, and then he would take it off on Shabbos, and he just felt like the orachim's and the was mamish, with him, but one time, the end of davening, a guy comes over and started discussing business, and suddenly got caught into the discussion, and he spoke Torah with Orchayim, and spoke not Torah with Orchayim's tefillin on, and he didn't feel it anymore. And he had the tefillin checked out to see what's wrong, and the tefillin had no parchment in it anymore. It had completely, had completely gone. Uh. So that's, uh, you know, if that's the story they tell about it, the tefillin of the Orchayim, <laughs> then all the more so the actual uh, or Hachayim. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think what other stories touched my heart. Well, maybe we'll get back to stories about the Or um, himself. But I want to tell maybe two, three stories about his grave. I've always found these stories very fascinating. Yeah? Uh, this is his base method. This is, I don't know if it's exactly the way it looked, but I think they tried to do it. That's where he sat and learned. Right there, that's the mikvah 
that he used to immerse in that they found. It was a tradition of a mikvah. They dug down and they found a mikvah. And the, the story that the Gabbai just told me is that he used to go to the mikvah even after going a number, going to the bathroom. Like a number one, not a number two. And so he didn't want to have to go through an impure place from the bathroom to the shul, so he built a mikvah into his house. So uh, my wife just asked me if we should get a mikvah in her house. So, uh, you know, I'll have to see if they'll let me buy this place. Probably not. <laughs> but, but that's, that's the mikvah, the blue light. That's crazy that they, they, there was a tradition of a mikvah. They found the mikvah. It's Mamish, a mikvah under our feet. Uh, and this is the shul that he learned in. That's the place where he used to learn in. And this is where he wrote his holy commentary on the Torah, where we are sitting. Mm. This is the shul. That's why we're, we're standing in here. So all that's pretty crazy. A few things about his grave site. Um, his grave site is very close to here in Harazay team. Thousands of people, I think 25,000, 30,000 people go on his yard site in July. Um, and actually, I was thinking of going and davening there, there, but I didn't feel connected enough. Like, I felt like I would be using him if I just went there without feel, like learning his Torah. So this year, I've been trying to learn more Orachayim. For a while, me and Daniel had a Chavruta, and we were, we were learning in the summer Orachayim. Um, I actually have this book. I once saw it on a bookshelf, and I really wanted it because the English Orachayim. And then I saw that this people in Sfat, the Drurys, had two sets of it. So it's very chutzpah And I said, can I have the second one? Because what do you need two for in a base manager? And they're like, sure. And as long as I learn it. So that's why I have this English Orachayim. Although I was able, preparing for this year, to learn it in Hebrew, and it's so much better. So much better in Hebrew, honestly, because you taste the, the, the original way that he spoke it. So um, that's some of my connection to the Orachayim Kadash. Anyway, so the Tzion. So it's said, this one I'll read inside, Rav Pinchas, um, no, it's not in here, but basically there were great Rebbes that said that one of the best places where your tefillah can be accepted in the whole world are the Tzion, the, the gravesite of the Orachayim Kadosh. Um, there are many uh, miracle stories uh, in particular with people trying to have children, uh, where people, I heard a story about the Chazon Ish, who was a woman who was very meticulous and checking like 10 times for the rice, and she asked for a, to, to, for a bracha. She said, what would you like? I want 17 years, I'm trying to have children, and I can't have children. And he, she, he, he said, I'll give you a bracha. I said, no, no, I don't want a bracha, I want a havtacha, I want a promise that you're gonna have ch- <laughs> I'm going to have children. The Chazon Ish said, I can't do that. She said, what do I do? I need, I need that. She says, go to the, the tzion of the Orachayim Kadosh. That's a special place of tefillah. Yes, that's the story. And this is 1944. It's documented. And she ended up having children nine months later after davening. It was like dangerous. There were all sorts of dangerous neighbors around. She risked her life. She did it. And, and her, her, she had a child. Similar stories told. I've heard, I've heard that story about different types of people. Even a modern guy, a Chabadnik guy, the, the Bab Sharebi talks about the Orachayim, and he would go learn every Friday by the Orachayim's kever. And one time, there was like a terrorist who tried to kill him, and he screamed out to Hashem, and the terrorist ran away. Like, this is like a five years, like in the last couple of years, I heard, I heard that story. Uh, another story about the, the Tzion that's very, very famous is that between 48 and 67, the Jordanians were knocking down a lot of Harazetim and making their, like, hotels, and they did it. In the end, they, they knocked down a lot of Harazetim and they built up on it, and they're driving towards Orachai Makadosh Kever, and the, the engine stops. 
So they sent the next week another guy. So the, the tractor flips over, and the, guy, <laughs> and, the, and the guy sadly dies. And they got the point. So they didn't uh, knock over that area of the grave. And you could see by the kever, apparently, that it still looks like they're about to knock it down and make it into a, a road. But uh, the, 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 even in his death, Sadiqim, especially those connected to Sod, they're very, very present in their, in their kever. Um, and maybe the, this is my favorite Sion. And then we'll uh, stop the story time and look inside. Um, the, uh, in 1940, right at the, at the end of World War II, we know that the Nazis, Yimach Shemam, were trying to attack Eretz Yisrael. That was their plan to go to Israel and wipe out all the Zionists. And Rommel had the whole plan. And, you know, we even have, know about the plans of the Brits to protect Haifa. And the Tzaddikim said, we have to daven. And where did they send everyone to daven? By the Tzion of the Orachayim. And they're all davening by the Orachayim. And the Zvil Rebbe and a different Hasidic Rebbe said they see the Yud Kevavke name of Hashem come out of the Orachayim's kever. And they started smiling. And they knew that the Gezerah had passed. And, uh, and Hashem had saved them. And there's also many stories with the Baba Sali connected to that. Uh, but uh, in this close, uh, so it's a big thing. It's a big thing to, um, to learn and to daven by the Tzion and to learn his Torah. Uh, specifically, this are already in the, if you want to look inside the first source, uh, the Rufchayim Ben-Atar writes, If you learn my book, you'll be saved from Hashem with riches and years of life, and blessings will fall upon your head. Okay, so he himself promises that if you learn my Torah, blessings will fall upon our heads. Of Pinchas Mikoritz, who is a Hasidic Rebbe, writes, "Halimud bo misugal l'neshama." Yan Shrabi Chaim ben Atar Ayanishmat Mishi b'dorak monishpat Rashi b'dorak. Because the Rashi was the, like the Mashiach of the generation, the Rashi, the Rashi of his door. So when you learn his Torah, you're connecting to his neshama. You're connecting to the neshama of of uh, his whole generation. And uh, another tzaddik, uh, first I wrote B'Shem Echad Matzadikim, but then later I actually found out it's the Gura Rebbe, of Leib Simcha, one of the Rebbe's in the group, writes, Skula Beduka Lazera Shalkaima, it's a checked Skula, to have children, Lumod V'Lagot Bekfius Besefer Orachayim Bechol Erev Shnat, to learn every night, uh, or, uh, or every day, some people do, or once a week, there are different amounts that I've seen in this farm, but to make a Kvius and learning Orachayim, is apparently a segula to have children. Um, and oh, I heard it explained that he wasn't, he wasn't Zohar to have any male children. So he took his kochas and his uh, energy in, and put it into the words of Torah. So that's one of the reasons, similar to the, the Rebbe who, who everyone gets married by him. By uh, Rebbe Yonah Zeal, who never got married, so it's like a similar type of story. So apparently, and I've, I've heard many stories like this, people who are kovea, to have a, a learning uh, of, uh, of the Rebbe, of the Orachayim HaKadosh, uh, have been Matzliach, to have children. Um, so, uh, so Bezrat Hashem, whatever Yeshua's we're all looking for and yearning for, may this Limud, uh, Hashem, may Hashem open up the gates in the slots of the Heilige Rebbe. And, uh, and uh, let's, let's, let's begin. We, we have 25 minutes. I was great. They said between six and seven, that's your only slot to teach here. So I said, yalla.
let's do it. So thank you guys. Okay, so, so here, here's my plan. I want to do 10 minutes or so, maybe 12 on the Parsha, and then we'll do 10 minutes of my like favorite hits of, uh, of the Or HaChaim HaKadosh. Sounds good? Sounds great. Awesome, okay. Yes, always, everyone can ask any questions. What was like, Right, awesome. So the reason, I mean, the Orachim is printed in the Mikra Skidolas, and one of the reasons why it's so important that they felt like they needed to put it in there is because he's Mamish Pardes. Shat, Remez, Drash, Vesod. And you really see that when you, when you learn his commentary. He tastes everything. He tells you beautiful shots, beautiful questions, beautiful hints, beautiful uh, ideas of Gemaras. He knows all the Gemaras. He's always referencing Gemaras and a lot of Kabbalistic ideas. That's why in particular, the Hasidic and Kabbalistic masters are very connected to him, but also everyone can be connected to him. Right. That's amazing. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's a joke to try to see that in 12 minutes, but we'll try to get a taster and uh, you know, when you guys learn, you'll see it yourself. Uh, first of all, I just have to clarify, Or HaChaim, why did the Rav Chaim Benatar choose that specific name? So he writes Karati in his introduction, Karati Shem Or HaChaim, Ki HaTorah Nikret Or. Dechtiv Kiner Mitzvah Torah Or. Torah is Or. Okay, so that's the Or part. Ubore Olam Nikre Chaim. Dechtiv Umelech Chaim. Hashem is called life, so it's Or HaChaim, the Torah of Hashem. Okay? Because Hashem is... And he goes on to also say, Vatem Advegim Ba'ashem Lakechem Chaim Kuchem Ayom. You are attached to Hashem, our life, our life. So that's why I called it Or Chaim, the Torah of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem. So uh, let's begin with our Parsha. Live, live with the times, as the Lubavitch Rebbe would say. And our, 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 our Parsha begins, Vayomer Hashem El Moshe. And Yudke says to Moshe, but he wants a few more sources, but no, it doesn't matter. Da, da, da. I am hard in the heart of Moshe, in order to place my, uh, my judgments within him, within, in your myth. So, the question of the Orachayim is, when God is punishing the Egyptians, what name would we expect to Mophia here? Elohim, judgment. What name actually comes out? Yudkei Vavke, which is that usually associated with? Usually Rachamim. Rachamim. So, the great Kasha, let's see what the Orachim says. Amar Lashan Amira Racha. Why does he use such a soft language of Amira? Gam his Kirshim Harachamim. Lo Litzada Mishtaleach, Ella Litzada Shaliach. He's not talking that he's speaking mercifully to the one he's sending the message to, i.e., Pharaoh, rather to Moshe. He's speaking softly to Moshe. Shehuska Basamech. Okay. He's soothing the soft heart of Moshe Rabbeinu because he's going to show them that we're going to punish these evil Egyptians who have been, you know, do, acting so terribly to the Jewish people. So like, Rachamim is towards, towards Moshe, and that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Nothing crazy, just a sweet shot. Just solid, right? Yeah, solid. Solid shot. 
עוד, לצד שלא היה השם שולח המכה תכף מיד, עד שהיה שולח להדרות בו קודם למר שבוע אחד. Plus he quotes the Midrash, which says that first he would give them a warning, and only then, after seven days, would he, um, would, would he then punish them. One of Lamar Gimelshan, some would say they would punish, they would give them three weeks between each plague. But either way, he didn't just smack, 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 smack. He gave them time to do tshuva, to process, and if they didn't end up doing tshuva, so that's their fault. So even for the Egyptians, there's a little bit of Yud Kevav, gives a little bit of Rachman. That's his second answer. As we see, quoting Chazal, taking into account Chazal's interpretations. That's why he does Rachman. One more. Even Rachamim was fine with punishing the Egyptians. Okay? You know, like, even Rachamim is like, no, these guys, like, it's fine. They gotta go. So, uh, that's an interesting chat. Uh, very creative. So, you, you get the style of, uh, 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 of the Or HaChaim HaKadosh. From that, from that, uh, from that pasuk. By the way, I want—I have to mention this. This is part of the close to my heart, uh, or Hachaim's, uh, and Ellie's going to understand why this is close to my heart because uh, you'll see. Or Hachaim Kadosh writes. I'm, I, I'm reading in English. This is yeah. on Bereishis one one. It's Mamish's first thing he says. Um, and you should know that we have permission to explain the implication of the verses after careful study even though our conclusions differ from the explanation of the sages. Okay? How can he say such a crazy thing? That's because there are 70 facets to the Torah. It's quoted by Midbar Rabbah. There is no prohibition against differing from the words of our sages, except if it changes halacha. Similarly, we find that even though the Amorayim did not have the right to disagree with Tanaim in halachic matters, we find that they offered alternative explanation to verses. So the Or- Hebrew too. They didn't just make it up. And right in the beginning, right, he's trying to explain, how can I possibly say things? And every once in a while, 90, 95% of the time he's supporting Chazal, but once in a while he'll offer a noob shot that, that no one's ever heard before. And that even goes against one of the deos in Chazal. So how can he do such a thing? So Or Chaim says, listen, we have permission from the Gemara itself. They could argue. So also, I could argue. And in fact, he says this many times throughout his commentary. It's not just like a one-timer. I'll give you a few more times. Embraces 46a. Don't be bothered by the fact that our explanation is the opposite of what our stages state. We have already asserted that concerning the understanding of the non-halachic verses of the Torah, permission is given to the diligent student to innovate. Thank well, you yeah, I'll do it again. Even though I am explained it in Dvarim 32, this differently than the stages. There's 70 facets to the Torah. Da, da, da. Uh, by the way, the Ramban says the same thing. Ramban, who, if we have time, we'll, we'll stop by his shul at the end of our tour, right? Rashi learned that we learned from this verse that the ark was submerged in the water to a deep depth of 11 amos. This is also stated in Bereshit Rava. However, since Rashi in various places minutely analyzes Midrashim and toils to explain the plain meaning of verses, he grants us the right to do so also. That's because there are 70 facets to the Torah. And also, many Midrashim contain disagreements between the sages. Therefore, I claim that this calculation is incompatible with the language of the verse. The Ramban also is saying that since they, the, the Chazal themselves sometimes argue amongst themselves, so I too have the, have the ability to every once in a while argue when it comes to a Gadot or come up with new interpretations. Okay, so you will see that occasionally in the Orachim. 
and he has new ideas. Obviously, one could argue that this is only true if you're a big Torah scholar. Okay, even in one Torah, it's clear from this Midrash that the permission has been granted for Torah scholars to explain. But Labdafka, you and me, Joe Schmo, to make up whatever we want and say, oh, this is, this is a shock. That's, that you could argue about that, but, but the Arachim at least says that if you're a Torah scholar, you have to Mechadish something. Okay, let's, let's keep going. That was, a, that was an important uh, side, side, side point. Okay, let's move on. The Pasuk says, Umal'u v'aytecha v'chol avadecha, and in, in Yudvaf, that your house and all your servants, u'vadei kol mitzrayim, asher l'ori v'aytecha, miyom ayotam al'adma, ad yom hazeh, v'yifen v'yitzem e'im paro. Basically, in Rishon, Moshe and Aaron get really mad at Pharaoh, and they like say in anger that there's going to be these, all these terrible, um, I think he's talking about Barad, or Arbe, he's talking about Arbe, the locust, and he turns from him from away from Pharaoh. Okay? So the Orachim comments on this. Um, we're in Source Zion now, which is on the next page. Uh, we, we find this lushan of turning away. And we have, don't find this in any of the other um, um, plagues. Because, because Paro had already promised that he's, he's going to do tshuva and let the Jews go free. And now he, he, he turned back on his word. So in this, Moshe turns in disgust because he's like going back to his filth. And so that's why in this specific leg, Moshe and Aaron turned away in disgust. Now Paro got back at Moshe. So that's why later, Paro gets really angry at Moshe and Aaron. He kicks them out because Moshe and Aaron were really chutzpahdik to Paro. So now Paro's chutzpahdik back to them and kicks them out. So when they ask him to come back and daven for Arba, So that's why later Pharaoh says, Oh, I've sinned to God and I've also sinned to you. Because he kicked him out of the palace angrily. So he's connecting all the dots to all these different little nuances in the Psukim and making a whole beautiful story out of it about the, uh, about the relationship that's the not so good relationship between Pharaoh and uh, Moshe and Aaron. So I thought that these were like cute, not interesting, you know, close reads of the, of the text. Uh, let me give you two, three more examples of that. Uh, the Pasuk goes on, And Moshe says, you too are going to give us sacrifices, korban zevach and ola and olot, and you're gonna, and we're gonna use them to offer sacrifices up to Hashem our God. Okay, that's Moshe and Fer and Aaron say in anger to Pharaoh. So Orachim comments, "Gamatatiten biadenu, kashe echish al eved Hashem zivche Elokim miish bazui v'tame asher erim pi bekadosh Yisrael nosef al itonachri yachafet Hashem." So basically, question: How is it possible that an eved Hashem, a holy man like Moshe Rabbeinu, would take sacrifices from a disgusting, impure man like Pharaoh, in addition to the fact that he's a non-Jew, and God hates the, the korbanot of wicked men, fine, they can give a korban, a non-Jew, the Gemara in says, but they can't, you can't borrow a korban 
from a Gentile. That's against the halacha. Okay? So this is an interesting example where the Orachayim is asking uh, a, a Shaila based on what? Based on a later Gemara, a later halacha. The assumption being that Moshe Rabbeinu is, you know, living aligned with uh, the Gemara's, with the dinim in the Gemara. Okay? Which is an assumption. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a common thing. You'll see, see in the Orachayim's commentary that he ch- does try to align the, the laws of the, of the Gemara and halacha with with the actions of the Avos, okay? Uh, not everyone is involved in doing that. The Rashbam, Ibn Ezra, uh, are not too concerned with that, but you will find some like the Ranban who do try to do that. Um, so Orla Chaim definitely does try to make them aligned. So he says, So what is he? He says, Achen divrei pi He was very wise. Dikdek bilshono, v'amar v'asinu. And he says, and we will do. He should have said that we're going to bring Korbanos to Hashem Elokeinu. Par is going to give you animals that are good for Zvachim. And we're going to do what we, we're going to eat it. We're going to, you know, eat your animals and your, your goats. So, and basically he's going to end up taking their own personal sacrifices, their goats and cows that they're going to offer to Hashem. And they're going to take the goats and, cat and the cows of Paro and use it to eat and whatever. So that's why the Pasuk doesn't say that they're going to offer up the, the, the sacrifices to Hashem. But rather, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to do it for our own needs. Okay, so in that way, he kind of reads into Moshe, Moshe's words, a very careful, careful reading, of, uh, uh, so it doesn't contradict uh, the halacha that we know today. Okay? I thought that was just an interesting example. He'll, tr- he'll very often try to do that and puts a little, sheds a different little light on, on the Pasuk. Okay, let's r- do another one. Pasuk. Right at the end, read the last one on the Torah. Okay? I didn't have a chance to read through the whole Parsha, so I took some from the beginning, some at the end. So I'll give you guys uh, two more Torahs on the Parsha, and then I'll give you my my best hits. So, the, so this one's very relevant for our lives. The Pasuk said, And you should place tefillin as a sign on your hand. Because you have to put on... I believe that's our... It's the last Pasuk in our Parsha. The mitzvah of tefillin as a zecher for the Hashem taking us out of Egypt. Okay. And we all know the Gemara in Chazal, the, the Drush of Chazal, that what hand are we supposed to put the tefillin on? The one that you don't use. Right, the weaker hand. And that's from the Drush of Yadka. Okay, the weak hand. But the Orachim is going to find a different reading. So Orachim writes in Source Yudah Aleph, Rabbateinu Zal Gemara Menachas Lamedzayin Amru Yadka Yadkeha. Chazal tells us Yadka refers to the weak hand. Shu Yad Smol. Wouldn't it make more sense for us to put tefillin on the right hand? That's always a strong, praiseworthy hand. We always do things with our right hand. Oh. A rabbi say that the heart should be on towards the left, and they are correct. But I want to give another reason. The Torah itself says 
that God took us out with a strong hand. Okay? One hand is the gadol, and one hand is the strong. So yeah, the gadolah. What's the gadol hand? Which hand is the big one? The right hand. Gadol is chesed, right? Who tzad chesed ratov? Yad chazaka he hagvura. Hamishalemet laso raakedet karato. And the strong hand is the left hand. He must have used his strong left hand. And he smote them with ten smitings. And that's why we dafka do it on our left hand as a reminder for the fact that Akadosh Baruch Hu took us out with his left hand, with his so strong crazy. hand. Right? Isn't that a beautiful shot? And it's like, how come I never heard that? It's such a, how come that's not like in all the, all the books? But the Orachayim is Machadish, a, a gorgeous, uh, very relevant Torah that, that every time we're, we're putting on filling, we can think of that, that God's strong hand uh, taking us out of Egypt uh, with a lot of love. Okay, I have, a, a, if, we, if he comes a little late and I, I have my favorite Torah on the Parsha, but it, it's kind of lengthy, so I'll have to say it outside. But uh, first, let's run through uh, for the next five minutes. My best hits, okay? Which means I had a little bit of time and I tried my best to find some really cool Orachayim that I connect with. So let's just like go, go for it. L'chaim, ready? Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm actually going to record this. Give out. Wow, Eddie likes it. Oh. <laughs> okay. In zero particular order. Boom. Mezuzah. Kitavo. The Orchim writes, the reason we have mezuzah, not like the Ramban writes, is symbolism to remember Egypt. And no. Kenegida mezuzah, Umran Besefer Zohar, Shekama Kitota Klipa, Nirtaim, Birotam, Shem Shakai. The Rechaim says, when the klipo, the negative energies, start to come into your house, if you have a good, strong mezuzah, it's like a, a, a guard, and you know, bodyguard, a bouncer, and it bounces away the negative klipos. Okay? So there's a lot of... Gil Lox actually lives right here, and he has all sorts of crazy, crazy stories I could tell you about magical mezuzahs protecting people and doing, and there are people who could read mezuzahs and see all the things that are happening in your, in your life. Uh, but the Orachim is definitely in that Kabbalistic camp. Metaphysical stuff is happening with your mezuzah. It's not just symbolical. So that's classic Orachim. Let's talk about Shechina. So, by the way, the Orchaim is the source for the Indian of writing a letter by the Kaisa. He, he, apparently, there's a story that he told someone to go write a prayer at the Kota where the Shekhinah can be felt in a special way and to write a letter to Hashem there. I don't know about putting it in the wall, but to write a letter at the wall, there's a, there is a story like that. So, that's, that's the oldest we wow. have on record of someone writing a letter at the Kaisa. Well, if they didn't put it in the wall, what did they do with it? I'm not sure. Oh, God. I don't know. But apparently, the Minog eventually did you know, happened to put it in the wall. I don't know where that came from, honestly. But he feels like the Kotel is a higher level of Shechina. Of people, what does that mean, Shechina? So he writes, There's many different levels of Shechina. Okay? It's not like, every day we dive in, 
Hashem should bring the Shekhinah back to, to Zion. So that means that there's, it could be at 1 to 10, it could be at 4.4, right now we're learning Torah, we're Chaim, so we're like raising the Shekhinah a meter. Okay, when you do a sin, you lower the, you lower the Shekhinah a meter. So uh, that's, that's the Orachim. It just makes that clear. And uh, sometimes the light is stronger and sometimes a little weaker, but you know, that's what we mean when we say the Shekhinah. God's presence is manifest in a stronger way. Let's talk about Avas Eretz Yisrael. He loved Eretz Yisrael. He writes, Why is Eretz Yisrael special? Because that's the place of the Shekhinah. That's where you can feel... God's presence. Like the Ramban says, he says when he came to Yerushalayim, he mamish felt it. He felt it in a very physical way. I've actually met people who say they, yeah. when they go to the Kotel, they like, they, they see energies in different colors. It's like a real thing. So what's special about Eretz Yisrael? The Shekhinah. Nothing. That's the main thing. The Pesach says, the beauty of the land is when Hashem is on the land. But when we're not here, and the Shekhinah is not here, eh, not such a special place. It's only when we are here, and the Shekhinah is here, that Eretz Yisrael has its unique properties. Again, similar to the Ramban, who writes like that. The Pesach says, V'haya ki tavo el V'haya, we mentioned this. What's V'haya, Alashanov? That's V'yihi. V'haya is? Joyous. Joyous. I love this one. Amar v'ayah lashon simcha la'ir she'ein lismach ela b'yeshiva sa'ar. It says no real joy except settling the land of Israel. Gevout. Al derech amal az yimal eschok pini. Only then when Mashiach comes will, uh, will we, Manish, feel the true joy of, of Eretz Yisrael. Okay? This is a picture of the Tzion. I forgot to show this. Um, what else? Um, wait, I lost my notes. Hold on. Um, oh, this one was Geshmach, based Medrash. Okay? This is good Musar for me. Orachayim writes, Habayit asher yadam shomer nashamam hi beta Medrash. You want to guard your soul? Go to the base Medrash. That's the biggest protection for a Yid. Some people, Shul, Michal, you're welcome to join us. They sit in the base Medrash day and night. If you're sitting in base manners all day, then the Yitzhahara has no chance. You're, you're in good shape. Okay? I don't know if that this applies nowadays with iPhones, but say in the time, you're in base manners all day, you're in good shape. The second cat, I'm just looking for my source sheet. Um, hold on. And you got these some midrash. We should be in source Yud Gimel. Mm, one second. The source. So the second source. Chalat mayom mebeit mirash vechalat mayom amasa v'tata. Hadam azad nayim shomor. Let's say a person makes a kviyus in base matters. He learns morning seder, then he goes to business. So that person, because he made a set time learning Torah in base matters, he's still guarded over. He has something guarding over his soul. And there's one group of people that have forgotten to spend time in base Midrash. This guy is in trouble and the Yitzhahara is almost guaranteed to be, you know, getting that guy because he didn't make a kvias in the base Midrash. So actually when I saw this, I was, uh, you know, I was, it was Corona and I was basically, you know, learning at home a little bit in the, in the Rova. 
And I went one day to Yeshiva Tekotel and I was learning the Orach I was like, okay, fine. Got, got the message. <laughs> Loud and clear. I got to start making Kviyas in, in base matters. So Kviyas is like a, a set time. Like a, a set time. Um, okay, I'm skipping ahead. Um, and I'm skipping to the last source sheet. Yud Zion. Uh, I'm talking about pain. This is not such a crazy chiddush, but he writes, "Bemsas Yisurim Yizdakaku Anefashot Bitbaru Nitzotzei Hakdusha." When you go through painful experiences, it purifies your soul and raises holy sparks. The last stage in preparing your soul to perfecting your soul is pain, is afflictions. And it's like the last stage in making wine. You need to cook the grapes in order to make the wine, something like that. So we need to go through hard experiences in order to mamish get us to our holiest places. Tefillah, the Pasuk says, this is a creative one, and you be quiet. Right? The Amish tells by Yamzuf, and Akadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu, I think Hashem tells the people, you be silent. So Imamish switches it. He says, don't be quiet. Rather, quiet the Yetzir Hara, the Midat Adin, by screaming out to HaKadosh Baruch When you scream with all your heart, you Imamish quiet the, din, the, the judgment. So it's, he says Jewish people actually should have been davening with all their heart. Which, oh, is, which is a bit of a, a chiddish, a little a, a breast of her toida, but, but uh, it's definitely very creative. Uh, the Pasuk says, Some davenings, you need angels to take them and bring them up to the heavens. Okay, it's also very Rabbi Nachman. Uh, when the Jewish people screamed out to Hashem, it didn't need a malach. It didn't need an angel. It just went straight to the heavenly realms. Like the Carlinas, <laughs> And like Rabbi Nachman says, it's about Hidbodudus. When you go to the fields and talk to Akadosh Baruch Hu, that also goes straight to the heavenly realms. So, give uh, out. So, uh, that's what the, 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 the Rebbe says. And, Birchat uh, Kohanim. I love this Torah. Maybe we'll... we'll one of our last Torahs. The Pasuk says, my Parsha, Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmerecha. Everybody's trying to figure out, Yivarechecha Hashem again. What's the v'yishmerecha? What are we trying to guard over? So the Rebbe says, Kol kach t'yel dolat abracha ad sh'yistarech Hashem l'shomrecha v'lo yisavev me'abracha k'derech pentochal v'savata v'chule. What happens when we start getting brachas and blessings and food and, you know, all these delicious things? We start going off the derech, right? We like We start, you know, jet, we start eating and kicking and rebelling. It's a problem of our generation. So we need a shmirah. After we have the bracha, Hashem should bless us to make sure that we, you know, go to the base medrash and don't go crazy and uh, keep the blessing that He's giving us uh, oh. with our soul. Okay, so that's the v'yishmerecha. Yivrecha Hashem, v'yishmerecha. It's mamish pshat, mamish pshat. And uh, by the way, I didn't say this story. It's a very famous story about how he would never work. You guys know the Orachayim, the lion's den story? No. 
Okay, so I have to tell you the story. There is, there is machlokas if it actually happened to him or his grandfather, but either way, it's an awesome Torah because they tell it about him, so it's a crazy Torah, a uh, crazy story. This is, a sto- this is a story of uh, the Orachayim and the lion's den, just like Daniel. The Orachayim, um, HaKadosh, um, was uh, very mockbid that he would only work for a few hours a day, and when, as soon as he got enough money, he would stop working and go straight to base matters. Okay, but he was an excellent worker, and um, once the king found out about his work, and he demanded that he make beautiful jewelry for the whole royal family, and the Rachaim says, "Nah, I work for the king of kings. I ain't like that. I got, I got, I got my kiss. I got to learn Torah. That's much more important." So the king says, "All right, come with me," and they said to the lions. And they made sure the lions did not eat for many days. And the Rechaim says, no problem, but could I just uh, bring my svarim? And my... <laughs> so he says, okay, maybe there'll be good extra food. And my tefillin, sure. And he's sitting there, and he's learning, and he's shtaging. And the lions are just having a chabura with him, sitting and learning and davening. And uh, eventually, after a few days, the king comes and sees what's going on. And he figures out there's a pretty holy guy. And he asks for, asked for a bracha from the, from the Rebbe. Wait, was the Rebbe given one? I think he did. I think it is. Different gears to the story. That'd be crazy if he did. Even, wow. I'm not even sure if it happened to him, but they tell this about the Orachim, so clearly it's, uh, he was very mockbed to have his set times for learning Torah. It could have happened. It could have happened yeah, to, right. to him. And, yeah. What does it mean that Hashem should shine upon you? Nothing should separate uh, our, our, us from our Father in the heavens. That the Shechina wants to shine on us. The Shechina, the light's always there. The problem is we create masachim through our overindulging in gashmias and sins. So the Ya'er Hashem Panabalacha is simply Hashem should remove the, the masachim, the things that are holding us back, and then the light will mamish shine into our neshama and we'll feel the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So um, I am tempted to, to say more Torah, but I, I feel bad because the guy might be waiting outside. So may our, may our limu tonight be a big segula for every single person here. Um, and uh, may the Orachayim's neshama protect us. And I...